We are continuing the series called Battle Ready. Come on in, get your notes, get your Bible. We're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 5, or if you're a rebel, you can go to 1 Chronicles 14, because it says the same thing, but you can be rebellious and just go to the other place. And it'll say almost, almost the same thing. There's one little difference. Maybe you can pick up on it. But that's where we're going to be this morning as we continue our series called Battle Ready. If you've been here, you, you know we've gone through some different battle stories. I won't recap the whole thing, but I would encourage you to go and uh, maybe... Are you okay, buddy? No. Woo. He's battling that sneeze right there. <laughs> He's battle ready for it. All right. So uh, you can go back and uh, you can listen to the previous sermons that are online on uh, iTunes, podcasts, all that. So check it out. Uh, but we're going to pick it up. We're going to look at King David this morning. King David, um, he's a guy that is no stranger to battles, right? When you think of King David, you think of a great warrior, someone that uh, defeated Goliath. Most people, they don't know anything about the Bible. When they think of David, they think of Goliath. And to have that background, anybody on the street would tell you David and Goliath. They'll put those together. So David is somebody you think, yeah, this guy had his share of battles. And he did. Um, he was... Uh, after fighting Goliath, he became one of the chief leaders in Saul's army. And uh, at some point, he had to fight against Saul because Saul started pursuing him. And, and so we, you can read about that in, in uh, 1 Samuel. But he had his mighty men that followed after him. He had wars and battles against the Amalekites, against the Philistines. He had all these, these different successes in battle. But we're going to look at one of his first battles as king of all of Israel. Um, when he was appointed and when Saul died... And he was, he was appointed king of Judah immediately, but there were some fractions and some people that still were loyal to Saul's household. And so you read that story in, in 2 Samuel, see how it took a little bit of time, about seven years, for him to really get the kingdom all together. And so after he did, um, we're going to look at 2 Samuel 5. And um, for the sake of time, I won't read this. I'll just summarize the first 16 verses of what, what's taking place. But you can open there if you'd like. 2 Samuel chapter 5. And the first order of, that, of business, when David becomes king of all of the tribes of Israel, um, he goes in, in, in verse 6, it says that he conquers the city of Jebus. This is where the Jebusites lived. And I've actually been here because my wife and I traveled and had an opportunity to go to Israel. We've been there uh, to Jebus. And you may have heard of Jebus because it's also known as Jerusalem. And so this was a, before Jerusalem was the capital city of everything, it was actually a foreignly held city by these people that were not driven out. Um, when God gave them the promised land, they had to go in and fight battles, and they had to remove the people that were there. They had to establish the, what God was giving them. In our lives, and God gives us promises, we don't just sit back and do nothing. A lot of times we have to go and, and receive those things in our life. But there was one city that they didn't deal with. This was the city of, uh, ultimately, Jerusalem. Uh, it was a very uh, fortified city. It was a difficult city to attack. And so all the previous leaders of Israel there just left them alone. They just left the Jebusites in their city and said, you know, we won't mess with them. We'll just leave them here and we'll just keep doing our, our business. But you can read about how that also brought the people in that area down. And they started worshiping the same idols and they started doing things that God would not want them to do because they left the enemy within. And so Jebus or Jerusalem represents the enemy within in our lives. And the first order of business um, is to deal with the enemy within. That's what we need to do in our lives. We must deal with the enemy within. Um, and so David goes and he attacks them. And it's, if you read the story, you, you find people 
uh, the people were so confident. This, this enemy had been there so long. This, this issue had been in, in the midst of Israel so long that it had this arrogance about it. When David came to them and said, you know, we could even put blind and lame people here to defend our city and you guys still couldn't get in. They were so overconfident about the, the strength of their city and their fortifications that they were mocking David and his men. But David uh, found a way and, they, and some believe he went through a water tunnel and found this, 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 this shaft that he went through into the city. And you can even actually go there now and they, they send you to like this place you can, you can go through it. So it's interesting, but this was uh, what David did with his men. He first and, and, and attacked the city within and made a capital city. This was his new home. This is what's called the city of David. And if you go to Jerusalem now, the city of David is a smaller portion of the city of Jerusalem that is lower. And the actual city of Jerusalem, you think of the temple and all that, is up on what they call Mount Zion or Mount Moriah. And it's up a little bit higher. And across from that is, is the Mount of Olives on the other side. So it's interesting if you look at the, the book of maps in your Bible, go to the back and read that book. It's interesting. Um, you can read the maps and kind of get an idea where we're at. But David goes and he captures the city. And he deals with the enemy within. And so sometimes in our lives, we've got to deal with the junk that's inside of us first. We're talking about today from breakthrough to victory. And if we want breakthrough and want victory in our lives, we have to deal with the stuff that's inside of us. It's not always the external enemies that we need to deal with first. You know, she said, he said, this person's, you know, they're against me, all this sort of stuff. We've got to deal with the enemies that are within. All the stuff that we let linger in our lives, if we don't deal with it, it'll get a foothold. And it'll keep us from really uh, getting traction where God wants us to be. Uh, there's things that we can leave in just bitterness, anger, um, jealousy, all these sort of things that we leave in our lives that God wants us to deal with. Um, and so David does this, and he captures the city. He's, he, it says in verses, um, probably verse 16, I believe it is. Let me turn here. Um, that's the next chapter. Here we go. Um, basically, what happened, verse 12 and, and following, talks about David... Uh, grew in his, his household. He established a, a palace for himself and he established his household, grew, and, and God was blessing. Things were going great in uh, this new city. And uh, so this was David's first experience. He deals with uh, the enemy within. But we're going to look at from breakthrough to victory. And uh, first, number one, if you want to fill out the, the first point, well, David experiences a breakthrough. We're going to look at this now that he's in his, his palace in this new city. Everything's great, all the kingdoms under his hand. And it says this in verse 17. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went down to the stronghold. Uh, if you know anything of, of the Old Testament, if you heard of these guys, the Philistines, this is where Goliath, he was a Philistine. And these were the arch enemies at this time of, of God's people, the Israelites. And David had sought refuge with them at one point when Saul was chasing him. And so he knew them well, and they knew David. And they knew that David was a threat. And when David was anointed the king overall, they wanted to deal with this quickly before he became even stronger. Um, and so they came out to destroy him. And what does David do? It says he went to the stronghold. The stronghold. So he doesn't just stay in the city, but he goes to the stronghold. And some, some argue where this stronghold was. Um, when we went to Israel, they actually made an argument that Masada, which is by the Dead Sea, was the stronghold. Um, and this is this mass place later on in in history of Rome, they came against the Jews in 80, around 80, 68 or 70 and attacked them. Uh, but I don't know that Masada at this point makes sense geographically as the stronghold that they're talking about. But if you know David, he went all through the land when he was being chased by Saul. And he probably had several places where he hid. He had a cave, the cave of Adullam, where he hid. Um, so he probably knew a lot of the topography of the area. And so he found a place, I believe, 
that the, 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 the Philistines were coming from the west, coming over east to Jerusalem. He found some place strategically in between where he could uh, set up fortifications and get his army gathered. So he left the city, which was a pretty good stronghold, if you remember the other people were so confident, right? But he left that and he went out to meet the enemy. He didn't stay back what was comfortable. He didn't stay back where <clears throat> he could have been safe, but he went out and he, he established uh, the battle uh, as the enemy was coming. So he probably left. I don't know why he left, but he probably left, I think, because he's a man of action. David was somebody that would, would go out to the enemy rather than let the enemy come to him. He didn't want to sit back passively. And he was probably protecting those in the city. He didn't want to bring the battle to those in the city. He wanted to take it to the enemy. And so I think he had a plan. He was a, he was a warrior. This was not his first battle. I'm going to go get these guys now. Let's go take them out. This is David's mentality. He's not sitting back passively waiting. He says, you know, let's go get them. So it says, verse 18, Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. And so David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? The Lord answered him, Go, for I will surely deliver the Philistines into your hands. So where are the Philistines here? They're in what's called the valley of Rephaim. Like I said, when these, these names just say them. You won't even know if that's how you say it, but if you just say it with confidence, that's how you say it. So what is the valley of Rephaim? This means literally the valley of giants. Okay, so the Rephaim were, were an ancient people group that's mentioned in the Bible, that area that were considered to be a, a group of people that were of large stature. And so them, those people, the, Neph, the, the Nephilim, there's all these people in the Bible you can read about, the Anix, the all these different people who were considered to be giants. And it's an interesting study if you go back and do some Old Testament research on that there, were, there was people of large stature, of giant stature that they were afraid of. And so the Israelites had to go through it and deal with these people. So this was the Valley of Giants that they went to. This must have been the place where maybe a group of people at some point resided or whatever it may be. And so this is what this place was called, the Valley of Giants. So David, it's interesting, what's he known as? A giant killer, right? He can deal with giants. And he goes to the Valley of Giants where the Israelites or the, or the Philistines had set up. And what does he do? It says here in this text that David inquired of the Lord. In verse 19, he inquired of the Lord. He asked God... To give him uh, the green light to go ahead and attack these people. God, what do you want me to do? I'm here. We're ready. The battle's coming. God, what do you want me to do? He inquires of the Lord. What does he not do? He doesn't just go attack. It's important. He doesn't just go say, you know, I'm a giant killer. I'm in the valley of giants. Here's the, the enemy. I know what we do. I'm, I'm experienced. Let me just go attack. He doesn't do that. But he inquires of the Lord. And interestingly, God doesn't give him clear instructions on how to attack. God just says, go. Just do it, David. You know what you're doing. Go do it. I think this is interesting. I'm going to look at this in, in two scenarios here today. In, in our lives, sometimes God just gives us the green light. A lot of times we're making decisions. We want God to sometimes spell it out so clearly, every detail. What, am I, what ring am I supposed to buy? What does it look like? What cut is it? You know, how much should it cost? You know, all these sort of things. Um, sorry, Gorilla. I mean, there's limited people here I can pick on. So, um, you know, on and on and on. We want every single detail. And sometimes God just says, go. Like, listen, David, you know what you're doing. I, you've been prepared for this. You're ready. You know, Mike's going on a mission trip. You know, hey, does Mike know everything's going to happen? But he felt God telling him, go, right? Go, just go. I'll be with you. I mean, he doesn't know what's going to take place, who's going to meet, what's going to happen. But God is with him. The Spirit is with him. And he's going. So this is a circumstance where David inquires of the Lord. God says, go. I'll be with you. You're going you're to be fine. But then David has to then figure it out from there. He doesn't just go and like, all right, I'm going to bring my sword. I'll just go. It's not one of those battles 
or you know, we just we surround them and everybody leaves. No, this is about Lisa has to get his sword, get his people, have a strategy, and approach it with wisdom. And these are situations in our lives where, where we have to listen for what God's saying, and He says go, and we do it, and we do it. Uh, it's He goes before us, but we still have to fight the battle. And so this is what He does. He says go, I'll bring you victory. It says verse twenty. So David went to Bel Perazim, and there defeated them. He said. As waters break out, so the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. So that place was called Bel Perazim. The Philistines abandoned their idols there, and David and his men carried them off. This is if you're in Chronicles, it says in verse 12 of 2 Chronicles 14, and David gave orders to burn them in the fire. Interesting, two different renditions on this, but um, so David attacks the Philistines, and they leave their idols, and he burns their idols and they run away. Probably kills quite a few, and the rest of them flee, and they're done with that battle. Um, it's interesting. What does this word Baal Perazim mean? Not that we know like these words that just, oh yeah, I know what that means. But Perazim is a word that means uh, break out or break through. And so Baal is, if you know, they weren't supposed to worship Baal. Baal actually just means Lord. It's a generic term in that, in that uh, language, Semitic languages for Lord. So it, there were different Baals that they served. It wasn't all just one Baal. There were different lords, idols that they served. But Baal in that language just meant Lord. So whatever was Lord to them, that was their Baal. And so this is Baal Perazim. This is the Lord of the breakthrough. And so it's interesting. This is where David has a breakthrough, I believe, in his life. And I don't want to use that word kind of as a, as a metaphor for our lives, where we experience breakthrough in our lives. Who's ever experienced a breakthrough in their life? I hope so. I don't know, unless you always had everything going great and you never needed one. But I've experienced breakthrough in my life. I think of different moments and times and seasons. Um, and if, if, if I would think we got all home folk here today, um, as they used to say in church. It's all home folk today. Um, but, you know, if you don't have any church background, you may be confused on what I mean by breakthrough. I mean, it's a church word, you know. But uh, let me try to explain that because you may, you may know what it means. But uh, breakthrough is, is when we or up against something, and God just kind of changes the situation. God, God releases something, changes something, changes in our situation, and we get to a new spot, a new point. We turn a corner, and we're in a new spot. We weren't here. We came into the service. We were struggling. We were down, and then God did something in our heart and our life, and we walk out the door, and we've experienced breakthrough. We're like, ah, I'm on a new path. All right, so David experienced breakthrough against the enemy. He does not defeat the enemy. Because we're going to read about this in a second. He does not totally obliterate them. They still exist. He still has enemies. The Philistines still exist. They still have their towns and all this. It's not over, but it's a breakthrough. And in our lives, a lot of times we experience breakthrough in, in a situation or an area, and we confuse that for total victory. You know, we, we take a step forward, like, yes, amen. I see this all the time as a youth pastor, a breakthrough. People, uh, you know, go on a youth camp, and they, they go to the altar, man, they're bawling their eyes out. Confessing their sins, they really, man, my life was so out of whack of where I wanted, you know, God wanted me to be. And they, they get on the van, go home, and they're they're a different person. But you know what happens is when you experience breakthrough, is there's there's going to be an enemy that comes back against you again. And so you got to be ready for that. And a lot of a lot of times people aren't. They think you know what God did everything, and I'm good to go, and I'll just kind of keep on my merry way. But when you experience breakthrough, the the battles aren't over. The battles aren't over. So I don't know, maybe you've, you've experienced that in your life, or maybe you need that today. And I would pray that God would give you breakthroughs with whatever you're facing. 
Um, for David, as, as you look at this, um, I don't know if I can give you the point, the Valley of Giants became the Valley of Breakthrough for David. So whatever giant he was facing uh, was, was the Philistines at that point. It was the Valley of Breakthrough. The giant you're facing can be a place of breakthrough in your life. But here's the, here's the three things I'll, I'll give them to you right now. Um, breakthrough starts when we step out of our comfort zone. David had to step out of the city of Jerusalem to go experience breakthrough. He went to the Valley of Rephaim, the Valley of Giants, not waiting for them to come to him in his comfort zone, hiding in his palace, hoping they couldn't get over the wall or get through the water tunnel like he did. He had to step out of his comfort zone to experience breakthrough. We have to do the same thing. We have to change things up. We, we're going through and bumping our heads against the same thing over and over and over. We've got to change things up. We've got to get out of our comfort zone. We've got to say, you know what? Uh, i got to move out of this place because I know God wants to do something different in my life. We've got to get out of our comfort zone. And we have to go and fight. And so uh, we have to go in the offensive mode often and not just sit back passively and wait for everything to happen. We have to step out of our comfort zone. Sometimes for, I've seen it just as simple as in a church service, someone getting out from their seat and coming up to the altar. Rather than sit back, well, you know, God can touch me up there, He can touch me here. Well, true. Amen. I mean, that's true. But there's something powerful about getting out of your comfort zone and, and coming up to a place where you're like, I just don't care. I don't care. Somebody thinks I'm weird or stupid or whatever. It doesn't matter. Because I really need God. I know that was true for me, especially as a teenager. Um, I really went through, you know, different things in my life where I just wanted more of God. And I was like, every altar call, I'm going, I don't care. Like, I'll just go for it. I, I, need, I need God because... I mean, I'm, I'm dealing with some stuff, and I just need God. And I, I just saw God show up in my life. The more I stepped out and just didn't care what people thought, the, I mean, get out of my comfort zone, the more God would show up in my life. Amen. Uh, so breakthrough is, is the first step uh, B here. Breakthrough is the first step in a new direction. It's not the final victory. We can have breakthrough in our lives, and we can return to bondage. Many people do. We see that with we're doing Bethel House, and people come through, and, man, you see them, oh, man, they're doing so great. These people are really doing well. I mean, praise God. You know, you see breakthrough in their life, but that's not the end. And, and, and that doesn't mean it's not real. People have breakthrough in their life, but then they still go back into bondage. And so um, somebody's think, oh, I guess nothing really happened. That wasn't really. No, that, God was working in their life, but we have decisions and we have battles to face after that. And so we have to keep going. We have to keep in the direction God wants us on. Um, so it says this, verse 22, once more the Philistines came up and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So this was not the end of David's struggles. See, breakthrough is not the end of the journey. Breakthrough is not the end of the journey. The Philistines came back. After he destroyed them, burned their idols, all this sort of stuff, they came back. They didn't care. They, they man, we're going to get them again. They don't happen this time, we'll get them again. And so they show back up. And probably more angry, more convinced they're going to get him this time. And, and like I said, some of us have great experiences. We feel moved by the Spirit, but we don't follow up on it. We feel touched in the church service like, man, that was a good message. Oh, God, thank you for that. And then we go to lunch, and then we take a nap, and then it's like, what? I don't even know. We're back to like the same place we were. You know? I know that's true of me. I mean, I've gone to church my whole life. I know how that goes. Man, God really, man, Spirit was moving in church today. That was amazing. God, God really stirred my heart. And then we get back and we're just watching Netflix Sunday night and we're back to wherever we were, you know. Um, so it, it's, it's a new direction, it's, it's, but it's not the end of the journey. The enemy is going to come against us at some point. We've got to be ready for that. You know, the Bible talks about um, Jesus gave us the parable of the sower in Matthew 13. That 
the two middle types of soils, the hard ground, nothing happens. There is no breakthrough. There's no root that goes in. And the good soil, everything's fine. We know that. But there's the two middle types of soil, the, the rocky soil and the, 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 the seed that fell among thorns. Um, these two types of soils, you see movement, growth, good things happening, but also at the same time, there's resistance. In, in the rocky soil, the, the roots can't break all the way down where they need to go. They just have initial, uh, as initial growth, and then it just kind of dies off. That happens in people's lives. They get excited for God. They're like, hey, man, you know, I really, I know I need to change. I know this, that, and the other thing. And then all of a sudden, um, you wonder where they are. They came to church two weeks in a row. God was working on them. And then where did they go? You know, like, what happened? Uh, that happens. That can be us sometimes. Um, and and the, the one among thorns, it's about how the things of life choke out what God wants to do. It's not that the soil's not there. The soil's fine. But there's so many other things in life that are choking out uh, the breakthroughs in our life. We have initial growth, but we can't become everything God wants us to be because there's too much going on. So breakthrough is powerful, but even as we experience this, we still have new battles. It's not the end of the struggle. And this is what happens to David. He has this new battle. So number two, David resists autopilot. David resists autopilot. Uh, there's these cars that they're making now that drive themselves. You heard about these? Yeah. So in Arizona, like last year, there was one of these Uber cars that ran into a, a bicyclist that was coming across a crosswalk or something like that and killed the pedestrian, the bicyclist. And so this is, but this is technology that they're pushing. It's going to be part of our lives. Give it 30 years. We're going to be like, oh yeah, autopilot car, yeah, whatever, you know, just get in there driving. That's going to be part of our lives. Um, they're talking about auto, uh, autopilot uh, planes now, you know, get to these like, um, these like sort of, um, what are the things that Dan used to fly? Drone. drone. So it's like you're in a drone, but just autopilot and just take you where you need to go. Just get in a drone and it'll take you over downtown Columbia, go to work, and then you get picked back up by the Uber drone and then it'll, whoo, scary stuff, right? Autopilot can be, and can have some good uses. People see that, you know, and even on a, a mass, you know, commercial airline, they can put it on the autopilot so that it gets to, stays on the right trajectory, goes where it needs to go. So there's some good uses for that, but there's also some dangers. And there's dangers in our lives when we get an autopilot. There can be some good things. You don't want to have to think through everything when you're, uh, you know, going through your routine. And we got our kids trying to get their lunches made, this and that. We got all our little routines We because we got to. You know, we got four kids. got to stay on the auto. Just got to keep them going. Well, there's sometimes in life when we get so stuck on autopilot that it is actually uh, not helpful and it can be dangerous. So this, this says, verse 23, David inquired of the Lord and he answered don't, do not go straight up, but circle around behind them and attack them in front of the poplar trees. Or depending on your translation, the balsam trees or the, there's another one. They, they don't know what type of trees they are, but there's some sort of tree. So if you have King James, it calls them the, I don't know, but they're trees. So don't go straight up, but circle around them and attack in front of the poplar trees. So now God gives them a total different approach. It's the same enemy. It's the same God, the same location. They're in the same valley. It's the same leader, and it's the same army. Everything's the same. But God says, now I want you to do it different. So this is where we get stuck in our lives. We, we get into these modes and these routines of life where we just do everything the same all the time. Well, God worked in this way. It's 1987, you know, and God moved into this by spirit, and, you know, I heard this people. So let's, let's keep doing that because it worked last time. This is, this is actually uh, 
a, a struggle sometimes when we do what worked and we just keep doing it over and over. Um, when we were coaching the girls' uh, team, or she was coaching, I was just there, but when we were coaching the girls' team, they would have success, and we were playing opponents that were a lot worse than us. And they would do things that were just, oh, man, we're killing them. We just do this. But the problem was, if you just kept doing those same things, when you face an opponent that was really good, that stuff doesn't work. You get on autopilot mode. Oh, we just keep stealing it from them and go get an easy layer. Just keep stealing it. Well, what if they, you can't steal it from them, then what? Well, I don't know, right? So we had to prepare them for different situations that weren't always the same thing that they saw every game. Um, when you face the harder opponents, you have to have a whole different approach, different game plan. And, and, and even this was David facing the same, the same people and the same God. This is all the same, but God says, no, I want you to do it differently. This is a new day, and this is a new battle. So I want you to have a new approach. And this is tough for us sometimes. It's easy as people to get stuck in our routine, stuck in our rut, stuck in our ways. And we say, well, why do we need a new approach? That, that approach worked fine last time. Uh, as a church, it's, it's easy for churches to get stuck in their ways, stuck in their approaches, stuck in everything the same. Because you know what? That God moved in a powerful way when we sang that song. You know, when it was, you know, when we had this revival, we sang these three songs, and it made people really touch. Amen. I believe that. But you know what? This is a new day. It's a new battle, a new time. And God may work in a different way in this time. And so we have to be careful. I want to focus on, as a church, that we don't live in presumption. That we presume because we did this before that that's the way to do it. Or we presume that God is only going to do it the way we think he did before. God works in new ways in new times. Um, I remember the church I was at um, in Virginia, great church. Um, we kind of came in, I believe, on the tail end of where they really were peaking and, and really reaching people and being a powerful, dynamic church. And we kind of came in on the part that they would call... If you've seen a bell curve where you kind of go up and go to the top and you come back down, this is what they say happens to churches and denominations and, and all this, even in our lives. You're a baby, then you have kind of a peak, and then you start fading off and you're back when you're old like a baby again when you need the depends. You know what I'm saying? So um, this, is, this is as churches. You can go through these stages, and you get down to the decline stage, and you're fading off, and that's kind of where we came in. And I can tell this when we sit in staff meeting. And the way we made decisions was everyone would sit around. There was, there was older folks and there's a few younger people, but they would say, what did we do last year? <laughs> oh, let's do that. Exactly. That's what, how we planned. Well, what did we do for Easter last year? Oh, let's do that. What did we do last year on this event? Oh, let's do that. And I always thought, well, what was the year that we did everything right? Like, what was that one year where we figured it all out? So we're going back to that year. But you know what? Uh, you know, we, we saw some successes. Some people came. But overall, the church was just kind of fading. Because our, we didn't have a new approach for a new day. We just had what we had from before. And, and over time, over time, uh, that, that's not going to work. And so I want to challenge and encourage us as a church, even as we're sitting here in, a, in the lobby of a, a social services nonprofit having church service, um, this is a new day, a new time. And I'm, I'm going to believe at one point this is not going to be uh, effective for what we're doing. This works today because there's a handful of us here. But I believe at some point, this is not going to be where God wants us. It's a, hey, well, it worked, it worked last week. Well, you know what? You know, this is a new day, a new week. We're maybe going to have to move to a bigger location. We're maybe going to have to get back to doing this and that. Well, I liked it how it was. That was more comfortable. I liked it. It was easier that way, right? We had less curtains to set up, you know? It was, wherever we can set up the least amount of curtains, that's God's will, right? So uh, that's what Mike would say, amen. Uh, but, you know, we have to be ready to move. 
in, in a new battle in a new day where God has us. And not just say, what did we do before? That's what we'll do again. Because um, even if David demonstrates this, same enemy, same thing. God says, no, 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 whole different approach this time. So he resists the autopilot to presume the path forward and to think that, you know, just because we did it that way before is the way we have to do it again. Uh, in our own lives, we have to uh, resist presuming how we grow spiritually. Now, I'm not going to say, well, I used to pray, so I'm going to stop praying now because it's a new, new. No. Prayer is always going to be a part of our spiritual growth. Reading the Bible is always going to be a part. But maybe how you pray should change. If you get into a rut in your prayer life and just kind of do the same, maybe it's time to mix up your prayer. Maybe uh, always just kind of say this and do that. Maybe getting out into nature. Tom uh, talking about getting out, taking a walk, and just kind of, you know, sometimes we got to mix it up. You know, we get to these ruts and these routines. We've got to mix it up. Maybe read the way we read the Bible. We just kind of do, 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 do. And we've always done it that way. And that's how we, maybe there's a different way to do Bible study, a different way to approach the scripture, a different way that we can grow spiritually. Uh, and so, and there's so many other spiritual disciplines that we can do in our lives. But I just want to encourage you not to get stuck in those ways in, our own, in your own life where you think, well, it worked before, man. I was really, you know, I mean, for me, I used to have a lot of time when I didn't have kids, uh, which was only about a year of my life um, when we got married. But uh, I remember I would go to, um, it was Atlanta Bread Company. I would go and, and spend an hour at Atlanta Bread Company every morning, get coffee, read my Bible, take notes. I would just have all this time. And, and I don't know where I have an hour to go to the Panera or whatever to go do that now because we're trying to get kids to school and drive them here, drive them there. Life changes, right? We have to still uh, understand this time, this friend, God, how can I grow spiritually? Where I am at now? What would, what would help me? And so... Um, David resists autopilot. Number three, David positions himself for victory. So David inquired of the Lord. It says this in verse 23. So David inquired of the Lord, and he answered, Do not go straight up, but circle around behind them and attack them in front of the poplar trees. As soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the poplar trees, move quickly, because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as the Lord commanded him, and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. So victory comes. Let me give you three things, and we'll wrap it up this morning. <clears throat> victory comes when we are, one, in the right place. God wanted David to be in the right place. It wasn't just going straight at the enemy like before, but there's a, there's a place I want you. And it may not make sense. And it may be kind of strange. Like, why are we standing next to these trees? Like, really, God, what, what's going on here? But God said, no, no, no. You need to be on around these trees behind the enemy. That's where I want you. So in our lives, we've got to be in the right place. The right place can be weird. The right place can be awkward. The right place can be difficult, right? God may want you in a place that you don't want to be. But it may be the place he needs you for what's going to happen next. This is the hardest thing for us to get sometimes. Uh, I know for me, I, I resisted this in my life many different times. God has me somewhere, but I don't want to be here. I want to be somewhere else. And thank God that sometimes he doesn't let you go anywhere else. You get there and he's like, oh, I'm just going to close every door that, that's out there. So I'm like, you're going to have to really strong arm your way out of this. I'm not going to let you move. Um, so, so sometimes God put us in places that's uncomfortable, don't make sense, a little weird. Um, we're not quite getting it, but we've we got to be in the right place in our lives. So think about, are you in the right place today? Not just, okay, I'm at church. That's a good place to be. But, you know, in your life, are, are you in a place that God wants you to be? 
You know, and may, it may not be comfortable, but is this where God has put me? And this is where he wants me, and this is where I'm going to stay. Number two, we have to, be, have, to, we have to operate in the right time. And the Bible says David had to wait for the sound of marching on top of the trees. Now, I don't even know what that sounds like. like I don't even know if David knew what that sounds like. like. I've never really listened for the sound of marching on top of trees because that doesn't usually happen. You know, I don't even know what that is. But that he had to wait for the right time, the sound of the marching. When the sound of the marching comes on top of the trees, then I go. That's the time. And he might have thought, well, that's dumb. What does it matter? I'm here. I'll just go when I want to go. But he said, no, 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 the right timing. It's all about timing. In our lives, it's about timing. Uh, baseball season's coming. Mike went to some baseball games. Uh, I remember when I coached baseball for Dane. There's kids that want to swing at every pitch, and they have no sense of timing. Uh, they're just going to swing. Swing. You know, swing, swing, swing. And there's kids that will never swing. They're taking batting practice. That was a ball. That was my favorite pitch. That was not good. And they never want to swing. So in baseball, it's about swinging at the right time. Not only to connect, but you can't wait and look at every pitch. Sometimes our timing is not that, well, I'm just being patient, but we're waiting way too long. God's already marched on the trees, and we're just waiting and waiting and waiting. God's come and moved, and we don't want to go anywhere. So the right time is not just about being that person. Well, I'm just waiting on the Lord. It means I won't ever do anything. No, no, no. It means we are waiting for God, but when God moves on the on the, on the trees, when we hear him come, we go. And if we may, I'm not ready. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know. Well, if God is saying go, then go. So the God's timing is what we're waiting for. And his timing isn't necessarily when we feel great about everything, when everything's lined up the way we like. But when he comes, we got to go. When the pitch comes, we got to swing. Are you willing to wait on God? And are you willing to go when he says go? Um, sometimes we're in the right place, but it just isn't the right time. You know, so think about that in your situation. You've been where God wants you, but maybe it's a year from now where God's really going to open up the door. And you just got to stay faithful to him. Or maybe he's already opened it and we're just, I don't know if I can walk through it. If God's, if God's moved and he said go, then we need to go. And number three, we've got to be on the right frequency. We're on the right frequency. To be, this is where we miss it sometimes. We're not listening for the sound. We're, we're we're great with God's table. God, when you say it, I'll go. I'm all down with that. But we're not really tuned in. We have a willing heart, but our ears aren't tuned into the right frequency. I know my kids, uh, we got them CD radios for Christmas a couple years ago. And they all have these different, they're all different brands. Like these weird, like red ones and this color, that color. And, and, but if you put them on the right frequency, they all work together. And, and so we can be all different sorts of people. But if we're on the right frequency listening to God speaking to us, we can all work together. With different sorts of people, different backgrounds, different things. This is what makes the church a beautiful thing. When we all tune into the Lord, we can follow his lead as a church. And so we got to be on the right frequency. How do we do that? Well, one, we got to make sure that we, we got a radio on. Because if you got powered off, you're not going to have the right frequency. We've got to turn it off. We've got we to eliminate the distractions. You could be in a room and have your little CB radio and, and you got the radio blasted. Or you got music playing. You're not going to hear anything. you got to get rid of distractions in your life. You know, there's so many things that we can be busy with that are really just a distraction. So we've got to turn down the distractions, turn down the, the, the extra noise, and, and tune in to God and what he's saying. This, again, is, is prayer, getting in the word, getting wise counsel. When we're waiting on God, we want to make a decision. Uh, the Bible says that we need to get counsel. It's important. It's in the, in the book of Proverbs and other places that it is wise to, to consult with other believers and get counsel. 
doesn't mean that's all you do and you're only stuck on this one person tells me what I should do with my life. But it's part of the mix. I pray. I read the Bible. I ask people that are believers. I get counsel. Because in the midst of that, I'm tuning into the frequency of God. I'm listening to His voice. Sometimes we, we, if we really are in a situation, we can fast. We can forego our food and we can really pray and tune into God that way. Or we can, we can just become more and more sensitive to the Holy Spirit's promptings in our life. You know, as we wrap this up this morning, um, we're going from breakthrough to victory. Um, this is where God led David to deal with the enemies in his, in his life. And he had to deal with the, the internal enemies first. He had to deal with the stuff that others left for him. And he dealt with that, but then he had to deal with the giants that he was facing. The, the Philistines were always the, the giants he faced, it seemed like. Um, in our lives, you know, the internal stuff that we have to deal with, like I said, anger, unforgiveness, jealousy. Sometimes we've got to deal with our, our own view of ourselves. The internal enemy is, is ourself, that we have such a low view of who we are in God that we don't believe God would ever use us. Low self-image, low self-worth, that's not from God. That's not from him. That's not who he sees us as. We're his creation. We're his child. So he, if he, he's asking us to do something, he's going to enable us to do it. We don't want to sell ourselves short and say, well, I'm not really anybody. I'm not, I don't know much. I'm not it. No, God's calling you. He's going to equip you. He's going to make you able to do it. So we've got to deal with those things in ourselves. We've got to deal with the, the giants around us that maybe we're facing today. Maybe you're uh, going through a sickness or, or a relational issue, financial Distress. Maybe there's decisions you're facing. And God is going to lead you through breakthrough, spiritually, and in so many other ways. As we wrap this up today, I just want to uh, ask us to bow our heads and close our eyes and consider this morning if maybe we're stuck in autopilot. Maybe we came in here, um, it's part of our routine to come to church. We just do that. We get on with whatever else. But Maybe God's shaking up some of that autopilot so that we can tune into Him a little bit better. Shaking up some of those habits that aren't necessarily bad habits. It could be great habits. God wants to mix it up because we are in a new time and a new day and a new season. Facing new battles and new enemies. And we can't approach it the way we did before. we got to approach it the way God wants us to now. And for us to do that, we have to put ourselves in the right place. Wait on His timing and we have to tune in to Him. So as we take a, a moment this morning, we're going to let you know, just some music play. I want us just to kind of spend a moment in prayer and consider, God, am I in the right place where you want me? God, am I willing to wait on you? Or am I willing to go when you're telling me to? And God, am I really tuning into you? There's things that are, are maybe blocking my ability to hear what you're, what you're telling me. And if you can identify something, this is a good time to just let the Lord work and maybe bring a breakthrough in that area of your life. Lord, I pray for all of us here this morning. God, I pray that you would help us to hear you. God, and like David, to be willing to step out into battle. Realize the battles are not against people. But Lord, they're, they're against spiritual enemies. They're against internal things in our own soul that don't belong. They're against things that the enemy, uh, Satan, would put against us. And so, Lord, I pray that we'd be willing 
to step into the battle knowing that you'll be with us. God, I pray for victory, for breakthrough in everyone's life here today. God, I pray that the, the words of this message, that the, the story will sink into us and, and it will speak to us where we need to, what we need to hear. God, if we're so locked into a certain way of doing things, Lord, help us not to presume upon you what you want us to do today. Help us not to get so, so stuck in our ways that we can't go in a new way, just like David had to. Even though we may have won many battles and, and be known as a great believer, a great Christian, a leader, help us not to get stuck in that. Lord, be willing to, to move in new ways by, as your spirit leads. God, I pray for breakthrough for those that are dealing with enemies that just keep hounding them over and over. God, I pray for breakthrough that we'll have victory. We can step into a new place, a new season. We thank you, God, that you go before us. Just like you did for David, you go before us. You lead us the way. God, you, you call us into the, the battle that you're going to fight with us and fight for us.